Welcome to The Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. Thanks for uh, checking this podcast out. We're your source for uh, conversations on arts and culture. Uh, today, I have the privilege of uh, speaking with a DJ, poet, a creative, promoter, former coffee shop owner um, from Baltimore, Maryland, uh, based in Medellin, Colombia, known for a soulful house, Afrobeat, and discified funk. Please welcome Jay Rags. Hello, everybody. Peace. Thanks for coming on. I, I appreciate you joining this this podcast. And, um, it, you know, it's rare. I think I caught you on one of those very, very, very brief respites in Baltimore. And yeah. it, it's funny because um, I have multiple songs that you were playing. I was hitting the Shazam button the entire mm-hmm. time. I yeah. was having a great time. I was literally stopping over there at Motorhouse just to get a couple mm-hmm. of empanadas. And you happened yeah. to be there that night. It was wow. serendipity. I, I'll say that much. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love it over there at the Motor House. It you also used to be the Load of Fun Gallery. I love Tori and everybody. And and it was last minute notice. I said, can I just do something so my friends can come by? And they were like, yes, sure. Come on over. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed my time there. And I was just like, because I, I think I'd hit you up one time before. And then I just kind of, it just fell off my calendar. And I was like, uh, nope, I'm, I'm actually... I don't dance. And I was like, I started to dance a little bit. I was like, nah, I got to hit this. I got to hit homie up. I got to see what's good. So, so let's dive in. I want to, I want to ask you this question. Um, Mm -hmm. so in my intro spiel, you know, Mm -hmm. DJ, poet, creative, you got all of these different hats that you're wearing. You you own a coffee shop, right? And Mm -hmm. so creatively, what was your first love? Creatively poetry. And all of these things that I'm doing or have done, is a result of the other thing. It's not like I've done them all at the same time. I, I wanted to, creatively, I wanted to be a poet, you know, when I when I got older, more mature, like in my 20s. But before that, I was just a young teenage breakdancer in Baltimore, rapper <laughs> in the 80s. But um, my first love was poetry. And then that led to other things and other things and other things. And, and that's the progression, you know, of a creative. They, they run with whatever they do well yeah yeah so do you remember like because i because i had a had a period when i was writing poetry or what have you and i mm-hmm. every now and again i go i might go through my mom's attic and i might see that uh what is it that uh composition notebook and i'm like nah, i don't want to mm-hmm. read those i don't want to read oh, those rhymes <laughs> oh some of that stuff it, some of the stuff i wrote is so embarrassing is it's crazy I, I I wrote I, I wrote something about a woman on a bus and some it was her, it was horrible it was, it was terrible I don't want to revisit it I know? feel like bust and trust was rhymed somehow you're like come on man you gotta, you gotta do better than that bro <laughs> it was all the eighties uh, slang from the eighties you know like fresh. And all that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's great. That's great. <laughs> Every yeah. now and again, I try to revisit that and try to work it in current conversation. Um, I recently, um, yeah. which which will kind of date this this podcast for folks. I recently did mm-hmm. a screening of the Last Dragon at Motorhouse, ah. and ah. For, for like the next few days, I kept talking to people. Hey, my <laughs> man, what it looked like. <laughs> so. So tell me about because I I think like a lot of times people who have been around and you know like when people talk around like talk about certain things that they did in the eighties you talk about like breakdance you talk about writing you talk about being a creative in the eighties mm-hmm. those are conversations that aren't always like captured like in a medium mm-hmm. like this right so 
let's talk about the music part of it because I want to hear okay. that because I, I I had on um, I think a while back I had Scotty B on which was really cool and right. you know just talking about people and like yo this is what this place used to be and that's what that place used to be and we, mm-hmm. we did the interview on Station North mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. if you will tell me how you got started in music okay musically and, and let me be clear music now I'm a DJ now but DJing is the final thing that I'm doing yeah I, I was always into music growing up, you know, like so many people will tell you that they were listening to music in their house. My mother was a huge disco and R&B lover. I I am fortunate because I'm one of the, well, one of the only people who was able to see Odell's from a, a small child all the way up until an, an adult. She used yeah. to take me to Kitty's Disco at Odell's. And for people that don't know, Odell's is probably one of the most famous discotheques in, ever in Baltimore. Yeah. It's it's Baltimore's version of the Paradise Garage or Studio 54. So I've always known about music. And even though I, I've only been DJing for 16 years, I probably always was a DJ. I always knew the music. I just just couldn't blend yet. Yeah. So once that happened, you know, the music just came to me. So I, I you know, I was always a, a fan of diverse music, diverse, danceable music, mm-hmm. not just any old kind of music, you know. Now, I, I dig that. Was there was there a, a moment for you? And the reason I ask, because I, you, you said like you always were that. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just kind of that point where you're like, OK, now I'm putting it together and now it's this. And yeah. I've I've talked to people and they'll say, you know, you're doing some curating, right? And I was like, mm-hmm. no, nah, I'm just a podcaster. They're like, no, you're being intentional with who you're bringing together. Your taste is yeah. dictating this. So, so yeah. tell me about that. Like when you realize, like, you know what? I need to actually commit some time to blending and really dive into it. I'm sure you realized uh, okay. that you got in your ear and said, hey, you know, you really are good at this. You have an ear for this or a talent for this. So really, what was that kind of first experience in DJing? Okay. Okay. Um. Well, I'm going to tell you two moments that happened in my life, and then I'll tell you how I got into DJing, actually. Okay, so the first um, moment I can think of was um, the first time I went to New York City and stayed in the Bronx. It was uh, a friend of mine. He was from New New York City in the Bronx, and he was living in Baltimore, and we all went up on a weekend and we went to the Disco Fever, which was a famous hip hop club and all these other places. And we were breakdancing. And I think I was turning 18 then. And we were in the Bronx and I, I hadn't seen such a diversity of people ever. And I was like, man, all these all these different people are listening to music I love and grew up with. So I started to think globally then. And then uh, around 2003, I went to the Winter Music Conference in Miami in South Beach. That's where all the new house music, all the new electronic music and everything would come out and everyone would congregate their DJs, producers, singers, everyone. And I saw all these people from like Italy, France, Africa, loving soulful house music and disco. And so I started to think globally. And back in Baltimore, I um, started a party called Soul Fiesta. And I I didn't want to be the same as everyone else. So the music reflected actually my personality. It was it was more global. It was house music, but it wasn't just what people think of house music. We integrated Afrobeat, the DJs that I had, which was the world famous DJ Charisma and DJ OG. They were my first main DJs. Wow. So um so that kind of sparked 
my um, wanting to be a DJ, but I wasn't a DJ then. When the party ended, I owned all the equipment, all the speakers, the turntables, everything. Yeah. And I started playing in my house 16 <laughs> years ago. Well, more than that now. And that's how I became an official DJ. The equipment was owned by me. Heck yeah. Like when you're able to tanker and you have the stuff, like I have all of my equipment, so mm-hmm. I don't have to go to a studio. I'm like, look, yeah. it's 2 a.m. I'm going to do a podcast right now. I don't care. And mm-hmm. being able to tanker and figure it out and DIY. Yes. And yes. It, it makes you valuable, but also it, it's an, an informative in that you know that you can mix this. You can do your own techniques. It's very mm-hmm. DIY, which... Mm-hmm. Is a Baltimore thing. I don't think we get enough credit for that DI. We will figure something out. We will make it That's happen. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's how I got into the arts. Was just doing it myself. You know, I'm the type type of person that went to. I would go to BMA. Yeah. Like years ago, like over ten years ago, and I wouldn't see any representation back then. And I would leave little notes in their comment box, like you need more black artists on the wall. You need more events with diverse people. And I would leave them in the comments thing. And if I didn't see that type of stuff, I would give an event that was, that I would want to, that I wanted to see. So you were right about Baltimore doing deep, you know, do it yourself. That's who, who I was. You're filling in a need. And, you know, it's one of those things where I've gone to a few conferences and things of that Mm -hmm. nature that are, recently that are geared for just interests that I have. Right. And I reach out and I think it is a service and people, they get caught on ego. Sometimes they get hooked. Like I came up with this. Who, what do you know? Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. like, I'm invested in it. I'm a consumer in, Hey, this is an idea. Take it or leave it. Mm -hmm. But it's something that can help this thing. And I think there is a temperature at times, especially from the the vantage point that I'm in and -hmm. interviewing people who are creatives. It's like, you're going to have conversations that spark ideas. And Mm -hmm. I think sometimes it's like you either share it or you're like, I'm going to make it my own. And the conference I was at this past weekend, I'm talking with my, um, my colleague and I'm like, man, we're going to do our own conference. It was just hitting Mm -hmm. me. I was like, we're going to do our own thing. We're going to capitalize on what they're not doing. That's right. That's right. And networking is the key. Mm-hmm. And for, for anyone that uh, that's, you know, just happened to catch this podcast, for me, um, you know, I wanted to be in the coffee industry, so I went to coffee conventions. If you want to be a DJ or, or a singer, go to a conventions with their, you know, that are music uh, oriented. Yeah. So, same with fashion. And um, there was a time where on, 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 when social media came about, I noticed a lot of electronic DJs and techno DJs would would request to be my friend. And I'm like, why do you, what do you yeah. want to be my friend for? I, I play soulful music yeah. and I would block them. I thought they were trying to appropriate what we were doing, like as yeah. far as DJing. And yeah. I would block, I wouldn't even want to network with them. But once I moved to Medellin and I'm a little older now and more relaxed, you know, I'm like, you know what? It's all about networking. So I started networking with all these techno DJs. Yeah. And now I play at the same party with them. It might be one room with techno, the other room with house and all these people are floating around in this disco, loving all these different types of music and we're networking and meeting people. So I'm not as uptight as I used to be, you know, by networking, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, you got to figure out like where we, that's another thing we have. It's like, what you want, man? Like what you need from me again? (laughs) (laughs) Um, You, you mentioned um, South beach, right? And Mm -hmm. One of the things that I think of uh, when I think of South Beach and I think of like the 80s and kind of this revival thing, 
mm-hmm. at times. I, I think of freestyle music, like the high energy stuff. And yeah, I Miami then, yeah. but this con this was the 2000s. Yeah, yeah. This was this was the 2000s. The, the high energy stuff was the 80s, but I don't think I don't I don't know if it survived or not. I, I never I really think, got I into it, it after after <laughs> after the 90s. It, it was it was just we were all focused on house music, you know, basically. Yeah. But this was the 2000s. Yeah, like I, I remember getting a few pockets here and there and uh, of it. And when you mm-hmm. mentioned that, I was just like, oh, is he going to mention some Stevie B or something? Like, tell me a little no, bit. No, no. Miami was chosen as the winter music conference because it happened in March. Oh, gotcha. And everybody congregated there because it was warm weather. Mm-hmm. And so that that's why it was in Miami. It used to be in New York. Oh, okay. It was called something, it was called something else. But once it got to Miami, it was just every. Everybody wanted to go there. You know, it, people made it their vacation, too. I dig it. I dig it. Mm-hmm. So so tell me about that that shift from leaving leaving Baltimore to going to Columbia. Um, mm-hmm. Like bringing okay. uh, are there is there anything that you're bringing in terms of culture, music, kind of what's baked yes. into your work right yeah. now into like what you're doing in Columbia at this point? Do you work any of those Baltimore classics in there? You're like, I got to throw one in here. No, only only house. House Afrobeat and disco, okay. and and I and and Latin. I play a lot of salsa, but all that stuff that I play, mm-hmm. I played in Baltimore. Okay, I was yeah. always into Latin music. That's why the party was called Soul Fiesta. So what I'm playing here, I played in Baltimore. It just gotcha. works. It, it just because I, like I said, I thought globally. Mm-hmm. I can go anywhere in the world and play what I play, and it's it's already accepted. Got but it. you know, and and I I didn't know. Medellin, Colombia, or, or uh, would be acceptive of it because I, I, you know, I didn't get here until 2019, mm-hmm. and that was only because, like, I when I was uh, when I had the coffee shop, I was also working full time. Yeah, all the things that you and I have just talked about. Mm-hmm. If you can think of 30 years of an IT career, yeah, at the same time I did all this other stuff. Even while I was, even while I owned the coffee shop, you were super busy. <laughs> I was really busy, but I, I got burned out because after five years of the coffee shop, you know, the, it was time to renew the lease. But I was burned out. I was working forty hours, and I wasn't just any IT person. I was a, I was a manager or a director of four or five large Maryland state agencies. Oh wow! So I had to go to a lot of meetings. It wasn't like I was a technician and I could just, you know fix a computer and go home. Yeah. It, it wasn't that. I, I was working a lot of hours. Yeah. And then I went to the coffee shop. So I would take vacations. And a friend of mine, brother used to work for the airlines, and he mentioned Medellin, Colombia. He, he said that's one of his favorite places. And as I done, did started doing research, I, I didn't know, Medi- like, Colombia had all these Black people down here. It's, he was like visiting Cuba. <laughs> and, and I learned so much about this country in 2019. I came back six times. Wow. And and I, I would eventually meet my current wife <laughs> here that year. And um and I was at, at 2019, I was at year 30, and I, I I was tired and I just retired and moved here. Wow. And so now I'm doing my passion, which is DJing. Yeah. And I love Colombia. It's you know, people talk about crime here, but 
I'm from Baltimore. <laughs> Let's quote that. Let's quote that. You can't, you can't scare me at all. I'm, I'm battle tested. You know, so I love it here. The weather here is beautiful. They they call it City of Eternal Spring. Yeah. It's two million people here. It's a big music scene. And, you know, it's good for my passion. So I, I love it here. That that's great, and I you know I I like that comment too. Like, look, I'm battle tested. I'm from Baltimore. I tell people that all the yeah. time, and they're like, "Aren't you nervous?" I was like, "Yo, I'm from East Baltimore. Let's be real." Let's, mm-hmm. And it's like, "What does that even mean?" I was like, "I'm not shook." Um, I've seen it all. <laughs> and the just the notion of being able to because I I work you know I'm doing this and doing mm-hmm. a lot of interviews and um in the just around three, maybe four years of doing this, I've recorded over 400 interviews, mm-hmm. just cranking them out and, and, and doing, right. you know, doing them mindfully, not just trying to go for quantity, but really spending the time and being intentional with it. Mm-hmm. And I see that point where you can get burnt out because once you find the thing that you love, everything mm-hmm. else is something to get to that. So yeah. if it's going in there working, you know, I'm working a 40 hour job as well, going in mm-hmm. there doing that. And it's like, yeah. this is going to free me up that I can pay for editing or pay for that. that new microphone. That's right. Yeah. And that's right. you go after it and eventually you got to like, think of what matters. And I think that's a balancing act that a lot of people who are creatives, but you got to keep that day job at, when you're at a certain stage, but when mm-hmm. you know that you're done and you need to move to greener pastures as you've done, that's, that's mm-hmm. the thing. You, you, you get to chase your passion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. I think um, we all do things that we don't we don't realize how important they are until we look back years ago. Mm-hmm. Like I um, before social media, I started a website called BlackBooksCafe.com, and that was the result of me actually wanting a coffee shop in the '90s, but didn't have the money. Mm-hmm. So I said, oh, you know, I'm I'm just going to do this website as a novelty. Yeah. And I'll put everything on the site that I wanted to put in my real cafe. Yeah. So I, I put news about all the poetry events in Baltimore, all the open mic events, all the house music parties. I did interviews and and all kinds of stuff. I had mixes there. Yeah. And it got real popular. Yeah. It got so popular, I was able to do that party I told you about, Soul Fiesta, because I had gotten popular. And then... I I came up with an idea of an outdoor festival called, well, it would be called Collective Minds. Mm-hmm. And it was all the DJs, all the dancers, all the promoters came together every year for this big festival. And yeah. everybody could give their input. And here we are, that started in 2004. Here we are, 2022, and it's still happening with the same structure, and I don't have to be involved. I've never been, I haven't been to a meeting there and maybe 15 years. <laughs> but what I created yeah. has kept going because of the structure of it, the love that I have for that scene. Yeah. So when you look back at what you're doing now with your with your podcast, it's going to be important because if not you, then who? Who would put all these different people together in these interviews yeah. who, who come from these different backgrounds? Who would do that if you didn't do it? Right. right. I can't think of anyone. Any you're right. You're right. And um, yeah, and, and it, one one addition note before I move to that next question, I, mm-hmm. I really dug New Bohemia as well. Like that was a place I was going there, like because yeah. that that station north, that kind of Mount mm-hmm. Vernon area, that's where yeah. I spent a fair amount of time. I would pop yeah. over there, and mm-hmm. I remember 
Um, it was one of the baristas there. It was just like this. Um, I was really into chai lattes at the time. It's like, try it this way, though. And I was like, all right, mm-hmm. cool. And I was like, I, I trust you. <laughs> yeah. And it, it was, oh, it was bomb. It, I was I was kind of crestfallen when I got, got the news. I was like, no, it's closing. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but you know, you I would have had to it. commit to five more years. I dig it. No, I dig it. And you know, and you know what that five years would have meant? That would have meant I wouldn't have met my wife. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have went to Columbia. I wouldn't have been. I DJ here more in the last two months than I did in the last five years of me living in Baltimore. Yeah. I wouldn't have done all that stuff. So I think life happens. Things happen to all for a reason, you know? Yeah, you, you hear these quotes on occasion when, you know, it, 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 social media is weird, but sometimes you come across something when you're supposed to. And mm-hmm. it, it was talking about one quote that comes to mind or one video that comes to mind is, whatever I'm supposed to have is going to be right there in front of me. You know, the circumstances yeah. don't matter. It's going to be, if it's there for me, I'm going to get mm-hmm. it. If it's not there for me, then keep it moving. And I kind of start seeing it and, it, mm-hmm. and it's just there. People talk about spirit has compelled me to do this and so on. There, it, it's If you get past the kind of new agey talk and just really look at it, it's like, no, you're mm-hmm. going to get the things you're supposed to get in due time. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. You, you, took that, you took that shot. It's like another five years or... Eh, let's see what happens and what happens really worked out for you. So shout out to you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So tell me about your philosophy when you're performing, like, like what do you want people really to take away from one of your sets? One of those, like those sessions. Mm-hmm. Um, when you, when you come to hear me, DJ, mm-hmm. if you are a dancer or a person that enjoys music, I want that person to think that they have just traveled around the world dancing. That they they did they didn't just like even when I was even when I DJ in Baltimore you're not mm-hmm. just dancing on North Avenue you're right. you're getting a global experience and when you go home you're gonna feel like your passport was just stamped and you just had a great time dancing that's how I want people to feel after they they dance to one of my sets uh, I, I I consider myself a performer when I DJ not just somebody blending two records but somebody that, that wants to give somebody an experience that they can go home and say, I heard this DJ and he was playing this music and that music. And, and I think I like that music, even though I never heard it. You know, I want them to, to feel that way. Like, like I said earlier, your music is Shazamable. That's not a word, but I'm, I'm coining it right now. And, you know, like when I heard it, I was like, okay. And it, it, I, I think you said something on the mic, which I thought was like, Okay, I'm gonna follow and then I grabbed this playlist. It maybe was like it, it was maybe Afro House or mm-hmm. Afro like it was something in that vein. And mm-hmm. it was just like, yeah, nobody was playing this. And I was like, okay, mm-hmm. okay, talk that talk. I was like, some of that Baltimore is eking mm-hmm. out. And it was like, look, I'm playing. And I was like, all right, cool. And it's now a that particular playlist, mm-hmm. and it was maybe one or two songs that you played that were on that list. And I was like, I'm in the uh-huh. right place. I'm in the right place. Right. <laughs> and you know, and really. Over the last like week and a half, I've been online stalking where I can find more of your sets. So yeah, 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 that's what's been going on. Um, so the last two questions I got before I get to those rapid fire ones, and those are really quick ones. Uh, okay, culturally speaking, like so, not necessarily the music component um, mm-hmm. because that's that's too easy. Culturally mm-hmm. speaking, what do you enjoy most about being a DJ? Like about the scene, about like being being a person that is moving a crowd, as it were. What do you enjoy most culturally speaking about being a DJ? Um, culturally, that being a person of color mm-hmm. and 
knowing how this music brings different people together, it makes me feel proud that I come from a generation that created house and hip hop. And that's our that's our culture. And we gave that to the world. Yeah. And so when I'm DJing in a whole nother part of the world and I see all these different people dancing, they may not know that the song came out yesterday or 40 years ago. They're right. just dancing to something that I know, like one of my friend producers may have created in Baltimore. And, and it makes me feel proud. So, it, you know, culturally in that aspect, that's what kind of makes me feel proud. Yeah. It, it sounds like an exchange or what have you. And I think mm-hmm. it's reciprocal in having something like you, you said, being a person of color and having, you know, house and hip hop, having those be a part of baked into what your DNA and your experience is mm-hmm. and being able to take what you're 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 getting from Colombia and the music there and bringing it back here mm-hmm. when you come mm-hmm. and visit. It's like it's an exchange. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. Food is one of those number one things of of exchanging community, but I think music yeah. is one of those other things that yeah. pretty much everybody can shake their ass a little bit. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's mm-hmm. one of those things that go together. Mm-hmm. Um, and lastly, I have for you, um, and, and and some people, you know, some if a guitarist might say, it's my guitar, that's, again, it's too easy. Mm-hmm. What would you say your most important tool as a creative is? Hmm, my most important tool as a creative, um, any electronic device that will allow me to research things in the world. Okay. Yeah. Because things that I read or learn about, I might incorporate into my set. For for example, um, when I DJ, let's say I'm DJing in, in, in the United States. I don't just play two 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 records or two songs. Um, you might hear an acapella. Yeah. And a, a lot of DJs in my genre, what we've done in the past, for example, we you might hear speeches from Martin Luther King. So here in Colombia, I'm trying to research all those types of people so that I can do the same thing here. So my most important device would probably be anything that I can research things about the world. Yeah. Any type of electronic device. Not not so much incorporating that to to for me to play, Mm -hmm. but the the pregame, the research about your music beforehand. That that's that that's what I would say is my most important. Thing. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. That's that's a really good observation there. That's that's really cool. I I think yeah, you know, being able to to bring that in, if if not for influence and inspiration, but for just additional knowledge, and it's like I can work this in here. You know, I'm gonna have this. I'm gonna have this really a funky soulful beat, and I'm gonna have this speech mm-hmm. over it that resonates potentially with this audience. That works. Right. right. Can I can I slip something in real quick? Something Something that I learned only by moving here to Colombia. I, I learned about Haiti, <laughs> actually. Yeah. I did not know that Haiti is responsible for liberating almost all of South America. Really? Yes. The first president of, of uh, Colombia, which was called Grand Colombia, Simon Bolivar, mm-hmm. the first president of Colombia, he was, lo- he was trying to fight against the, the uh, Spaniards. Mm-hmm. You know who had who had um, colonized the South America, all these different places, and he was fighting them, and he kept losing. So he went to to he finally ended up in Haiti, and Haiti said, "Okay, we'll give you arms, uh, provisions, and three hundred men, soldiers to fight with." Yeah. He came back and won, and then South America started dividing itself up into like uh, Colombia, Venezuela, 
uh, Peru and all these other places. And and I learned that by moving here. And for anybody that don't believe me, go and look at the Haitian flag, the Colombian flag, the Venezuelan flag, and a couple of others, and you'll see the same color <laughs> and the same design. And I was mind blown. I'm like, why don't we learn this in school? What, what are we doing learning about the Nina and Pitta and the Santa Maria? <laughs> so that's just something I learned, what, you know, after I came here. No, that, that's really cool. That's giving me homework to do. So thank you for that, because I'm definitely going to do a deep dive into that, because mm-hmm. that's of interest. Because yeah. I feel mm-hmm. like, mm, why isn't that story being told more, like you're saying? Yeah. yeah. So in, in, the, in the last few moments here, I want to um, hit you with some rapid fire questions, and then okay. uh, we'll close out there. So with these, you want to just answer these as quickly as possible. Don't overthink them. You know, people mm-hmm. tend to do that, and it's like, I don't know if that's my favorite movie. I don't know if I like chocolate ice cream. It's like, chill out. It's, <laughs> it's fine. Okay. All right. What is your favorite movie? Um, Carlito's way. Nice. <laughs> How many cups of coffee do you drink a day? <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe a half, because it's like every other day. So. Okay. Um, I, I I'm really interested in this question. I, outside of this, this is pinnacle for me because mm-hmm. I'm I'm one of these people. Uh, what is the best tool for you to keep notes? Is it your phone or is it a notepad like pen and paper? What's your best tool for keeping notes? Um, Jesus Christ! I'm, I, I, I want to say it's my phone, but because I, I'm, I come from a poet background and a writer, mm-hmm. like here are notes here for this interview, uh-huh. and it's in my my Frida Kahlo book. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I started doing stuff in my phone because you know I, I you know my my nieces and nephews they 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 write stuff on their phones, so I don't want to be too old. So you know, put stuff in there. Yeah. I need my Wi-Fi password and stuff like that. It, it's it's almost like you have to do an extra level. I I find like because I've been doing the I've been reading this Austin Cleon book over and over, and you know I, I, he he had a point in there I thought was very valid where. I rather have the things that I scratch out. I rather write it down because I think when you're putting in the phone, you self-edit before you actually mm-hmm. have the idea formed. Mm-hmm. I rather have okay, what did I think this was initially? Because that idea yes. might be better than a new one. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. For you, what is that one word that you believe to be the most powerful word in the English language? Freedom. It's going. It's going. It. Sparks so much debate. It means so much to so many people. Maybe freedom. Freedom's a good one. And um, that's it, actually. Uh, that's all of my questions. <laughs> uh, oh, great. Enjoy so- this. Thank you. Um, so in the, in the last few moments here, I want to, one, thank you for being on this podcast. And um, two, I want to invite and encourage you to tell the fine folks where to check your workout and to follow you online. So the floor is yours. Okay. Years ago at the coffee shop, a young a young kid came in there, he was doing an event, and he said, old people are on Facebook, young people are on Instagram. So follow <laughs> me on Instagram, please. <laughs> J underscore rags, R-A-G-S underscore soul fiesta on Instagram. I'm on I'm on Facebook, but ever since I heard what that, that kid said, I, I don't want to be the old guy on Facebook. That's funny. It was really funny. Follow me on Instagram, and I have a... a uh, um, a link tree to all my mixes and everything in the bio there. So J Rags Soul Fiesta. So there you have it, folks. I want to again thank J Rags for coming onto the podcast, and I'm Rob Lee saying that there is art in and around your neck of the woods. You just got to look for it. Howdy. Rob Lee here with a special message from the fine folks at Night Owl Gallery, this month's presenting sponsor. 
This is a call to artists. Night Owl Gallery is hosting Highland Town Plein Air Fest 2022 on Saturday, August 13th, starting at 2 p.m. This urban outdoor painting festival will bring together artists, art enthusiasts, and collectors from all over Maryland. There is a $25 early entry fee for artists to participate in the juried competition with cash prizes, a wet paint sale, and subsequent September long exhibition. The juror is Rebecca Weber, director of the museum at Historic Jerusalem Mill Village. For more information and to sign up, please visit www.nightowl.gallery today.